So Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they will have, even what they think <laughs> even what they think they have will be taken from them now jesus's mother and brothers came to see him but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd someone told him your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you he replied my mother and brothers are those who hear god's word and put into practice stop If you heard that, what would you do? No, it's not the band that I'm speaking to. Um, but, but if you heard that, what would you do? Uh, I think, like most of us, we would uh, stop. The, the message is clear, isn't it? Uh, we heard, we listened, and we did what it said. Uh, a clear message that is heard and obeyed. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about this evening. Uh, The gospel is clear, so listen carefully and do what it says. So with that in mind, let's pray in those words that we've just sung. Father, we pray that this evening you would indeed speak. We pray, Lord, that we would hear and listen carefully. And we pray... We may do what it says. Amen. Uh, If you've been joining us for our little uh, evening sermon series, uh, you'll know that last week Phil spoke to us about the parable of the seed or uh, the parable of the sower, uh, as it's titled in our Bibles. Uh, And this evening uh, we see not uh, two parables, but two proverbs uh, which Jesus used Uh, to to rub home at that point. Uh, And so here's the the first point that we see. The message is clear. The message is clear. Uh, Jesus has been speaking about the parable of the sower and how there are going to be different responses uh, to the word. And it may be that, that some were questioning, saying, well, Maybe the problem's not the soil, maybe it's the sower. Maybe it's the word that's the problem. It's not my fault, I can't respond properly if you're not speaking properly. But Jesus just blows that out of the water. Verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it under a clay jar or, or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put in a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now, Jesus has used this little proverb before. He uses it at different times in different ways. In other places, he's talking about Christians, for them not to hide the light from the world. But here, he uses it differently. Jesus does use the same pictures in different ways. And here, he's not talking about Christians in general. 
he's talking about himself. And indeed, by extension, uh, the message that he brings, the, the gospel message that he brings. Uh, we know that uh, because of where it comes. It, it comes immediately after the parable of the sower. Uh, the context helps us to understand that. Uh, but, but he says this. Uh, uh, he says, look, uh, nobody takes a light and turns it on. I can find my light. There you go. No one takes a light. And then... covers it up. Uh, that's just silly. Uh, that completely defo- defeats the, the point of the lamp if you cover it up. N- no, you, you take a lamp out in order that people might have light to see. That people might have light to see. And I'll just turn it off so lightning's not. Jesus says, I've come as the light. Indeed, in John's Gospel, he explicitly says, I am the light of the world. I've come not to make things mucky or dim. I've come to illuminate, to to give light. The message is clear because Jesus could not be more clear in his words or actions. Think of it this way. Uh, if God was to walk the earth, what, what would you expect? Uh, would you expect the supernatural? Would, would you expect diseases that had no known cure to be cured? Uh, would you expect the, the rules of nature to be sort of upturned? Would you expect that the, the words that would come would, would echo with the foundation of humanity itself? That's what you'd expect, wouldn't you? You'd expect the paralyzed to walk. You'd expect the wind and the waves to listen to the voice of the one who made them. You'd expect that their words of teaching would be like no other. And all of that is found in Jesus. The message is clear. But not simply clear, it's a beacon that shines out for all to see. Uh, Just as light uh, chases away darkness, there'll be nothing which this message does not reveal. At the end of verse 16 and following. So that those who come into light can see, for, verse 17, for there is nothing hidden. That will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will be not known or brought out into the open. Uh, Because the message is clear, because the light is true, uh, uh, there will be nothing hidden. This is what light does, isn't it? It illuminates darkness. Now, I think one of the most useful features on my phone is the, the torch that goes round. Uh, I use it all the time to, to find bits of Lego under the sofa, uh, to find teddies under the bed, not even to mention the times I've got to use it for the children. Um, the, the light is there to reveal things. The gospel message, Jesus, the light of the world, will come to reveal all things. Reveal all things. 
just, just stop for a moment and just consider that. There is nothing in life that Jesus will not come to reveal. If Jesus had a torch and was crouching down and taking a look under the bed of our lives, what would he find? What are the parts that we we want to shift away? There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. What are the thoughts that we think, hope, are private? There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. What about the way that we really think about our sin or others' sin? Or the way that we relate to God? There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. Jesus, the true light, will reveal all things. The problem is not with Jesus. It's not his fault. The message is clear. And you may say, well, Ben, I can see if I was there, if I see Jesus walking and talking, I'd get it to be clear. If I saw God, I'd believe it. But it's not as if we can go bump into Jesus walking around Hove Park on his daily exercise. Maybe you thought that yourself. Maybe you found yourself watching this service and actually that's what you believe. I'd believe in God if I saw him. But actually it doesn't stop the message being clear. Think of this example. Now I'm not going to say that that nobody watching this video was uh, at my wedding. Uh, Because I know often my my mum watches this. Hello mum. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, But I'm going to guess that that most of you weren't there. Most of you probably didn't even know me before I got married. But yet, there'd be ways, wouldn't they? Ways of finding out. You could say, oh Ben, can you go home and get your marriage certificate? There'd be evidence. There'd be people that you could talk to. There'd be witness accounts you could read. And the proof could go on and on, couldn't it? And even in a hundred years' time, that there'd be things that you could do to find out that I got married the 8th of August, 2009. And even beyond a hundred years, there'd be evidence, there'd be proof. But why is it then that sometimes we apply a different set of criteria to the Bible? We're looking for something different but actually just as there's all sorts of evidence for my wedding there's all sorts of evidence for the bible to to show us that it's reliable to show us that actually we can have just as much confidence today in god's word as if we were to see jesus walking around hove park it's reliable the evidence is there if you've never looked into it go look into it Go read it for yourself. The evidence is reliable, but the message is clear. God's word is clear. So, the message is clear, so listen carefully. Listen carefully. Uh, Maybe you're a fan of the, the television show, Hello, Hello. Uh, in it, there's a, a character called Michel Dubois, who has a famous catphrase, catphrase 
Listen carefully. I shall say this only once. I'm very sorry for the impression and the offense that may have caused people. Listen carefully. I shall say this only once. But what Jesus is getting across here is that we need to listen carefully, not just once, but every time. All the time, listening carefully, going on, listening carefully. We need to listen to Jesus in the Bible carefully. We need to listen to his word in the Bible carefully today. We need to listen carefully in the Bible to Jesus tomorrow. We need to listen to his word, the Bible carefully, on Tuesday. We need to listen carefully to Jesus in his word on Wednesday. And you get the idea. We need to listen carefully to Jesus every day. Every day. So how can we listen carefully? Well, it's said, isn't it, that the the most important meal of the day is breakfast. That's because it, it... brings back all of your energy stores you used overnight. Yes, you do use energy sleeping, um, and we need to replenish it. That's why breakfast is so important. But if it's important to feed physically in the morning, how much more important is it to feed on God's word? Now, of course, all of this is, is not a command. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, thou shalt read the Bible first thing in the morning. But I think it is sanctified wisdom, not just from me, but from generations. Because if we're grazing in God's word in the morning, then it's dwelling in us. It's it's growing in us. We're pondering it. But if we do it last thing at night, then I don't know about you, but the next thing on my agenda is going to sleep for eight hours, hopefully. (laughs) But we can push it still further. It's not just about reading pages. You could read page after page of the Bible, but it just kind of go in one ear and out the other. No, it's far better to read one verse and really listen. Let it stick. Chew on it. Dwell upon it. Consider it. Think about it. Than to read books and for it to disappear into thin air. Make time to really listen on your own. If this evening that was something that perhaps you, you used to do, and at the moment you're just feeling that, that finger saying, maybe I should get back again, then please don't feel condemnation from me and, and don't feel condemnation from the Lord. Just start again. Start again. Lent is a time, isn't it, often when we, we fast from many things, but, but why not make Lent a time to feast? Feast on God's words. Don't fast. Feast and enjoy God's words. Listen carefully on your own. If you don't know where to start, then then ask Phil or myself. We'd love to help you. But also we need to listen carefully through sermons. Phil mentioned last week that the opportunity for distraction at home, I know, are numerous. I, I think they're at least 20 times greater at home than they are in the building. And the reasons, I think, are simple, aren't they, really? That, that maybe you're watching the service now in the same place, on the same device that you're going to watch Sunday night television later, or Saturday night TV. 
the places and ways that we rest and relax have been the same places that we're worshipping. And that can be really hard. And also, it's just very easy, isn't it, to get distracted, to, to check BBC Sport for the football scores. Uh, to add things into your Tesco order, to uh, let the dog out for a wee, to check on dinner, to cut your toenails, uh, whatever it might be. And I say that because I know exactly what it feels like. I know all those distractions. And sadly, I've given in to those distractions too. So if you can, if you can, But why not come back next Sunday, morning or evening? Book in to a place. Have some undistracted time listening to God. Now, I know for some that that sadly just won't be possible. And I really, really feel for you. I really do. And we long for the day when it will make it much easier. But in the meantime, maybe just ask yourself the question, are there ways that I can help? Is the place where I'm engaging and watching, is it the best place to be? Are the distractions nearby or should I put them away? Maybe it will mean putting your phone next door and maybe it will mean if the service leader says, uh, can you text in a prayer request, you don't. Because you know that actually you'll text a prayer request in but then you'll do something else afterwards. How can we listen well? And there are a whole other host of other things. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned Dwell, an app on your phone, which I found really useful, uh, both in devotions and in preparing sermons like this one. Somebody reading God's word to me, David Suchet, a fine British actor, reading the Bible to me with a little bit of ambient music or uh, instrumental hymns in the background. I can do it driving, washing the dishes, going for a walk, or in my quiet time in the morning. Uh, small groups coming together on, a, on an evening, listening together, uh, meeting with, with one other Christian, going for a walk around Hope Park, and maybe saying, why don't we read a chapter of John's Gospel beforehand? And let's listen well together as we talk about it on our walk. The message is clear. So let's listen carefully. And then as we do that, something amazing happens. Verse 18 Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. The more we listen, the more we we engage, the more we glimpse of this great light, the more illuminated we become. And that process goes on and on and on until we see Jesus face to face. We'll never mine the depths of his wisdom and love. Never. So as we listen carefully, the Lord grants more and more. You'll sooner be able to drink up the oceans than to drink up all of God's love and wisdom. Isn't that amazing? And if we love the Lord knowing him a little, how much more are we going to love him knowing more? But there is also a flip side. The second half of verse 18. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. 
That the sense here is that if we ignore the message, if we're careless in how we are listening, then we're actually just deceiving ourselves. We think that we're in church, so we're listening well, or we're at home, we have the service on, so we're listening well. But, but unless we're really listening, then we're deceiving ourselves. And in fact, we have nothing at all. We think we do, but we don't. And even that will be taken away. And on that last day, when all this concealed is revealed, there'll be nothing. We listen. We can listen well and go deeper. Or we can pretend and be shown for what it is. There is no neutral position. We grow. Or what we have is taken away. The message is clear, so listen carefully and do what it says. This will get to the story of Jesus' mother and brothers in verses 19 to 21. It's unlikely this story happened chronologically after the parable of the sower. In other Gospels, it takes place before the parable. But indeed, why has Luke put it here? Why has Luke ordered it here, as he says in his introduction to the book? Well, he puts it here to cement the point he's trying to make. The message is clear, so listen carefully and do what it says. Jesus is teaching to a large crowd and his family come and someone says, oh, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here. In other words, do you want to go and see them? Because they can't get to you. The crowd is so big. And then Jesus says something completely mind-blowing. Verse 21. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. The message is clear. So listen carefully and do what it says. Listening and doing are tied together, aren't they? How often have we said to somebody, you're not listening to me. What we really mean is you're not doing what I've asked. See, the proof of how well we've listened is how well we do what it says. Are we those that that sort of nod and smile and wave at Jesus' message but take no action? Or do we listen and act? So what have we heard recently? What are the things that you have heard recently? Maybe through God's word, on your own or at church, you've heard a message of forgiveness. And it's been impressed upon you that you need to forgive, maybe in general or someone specific. Then do it. Maybe uh, you've heard a, a message of the need to stop something, stop a sin and confess it to the Lord or to others or to both. Then do it. Uh, Maybe through God's word, you've had a message of putting others first impressed upon you. Then do it. Uh, Maybe through God's word, you've had the message of being sacrificial in your giving impressed upon you. Then do it. Uh, Maybe through God's word, you've, you've been impressed about the need to speak boldly of Christ. Then do it. Maybe through God's word, 
you've been impressed about how you've got to be careful how you use your tongue, then do it. Maybe through God's word you've seen that, that following Jesus involves taking up your cross and following him no matter where it leads. Then do it. Maybe through God's word you've heard that Jesus came to die for our sin. So the only way we can be of him is by trusting in him. Then do it. The message is clear. So listen carefully and do what it says. But, but as we close, did you hear that encouragement that comes from hearing and doing? Let me read verse 21 again. Uh, Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. My mother, my brothers. If we hear and do, we're the near relations of Jesus. We're his brothers and sisters. We're part of his family. Uh, Let's be clear. It's not the, the action of doing that makes us his family. And because we've obeyed, we kind of begin bypass the cross and we become part of his family. No, no. It's because we listen and obey, it shows we're part of his family. Uh, Kate Middleton, as she was, she could be a patron to as many charities as she liked. She could open schools. She could speak out on important subjects. Uh, She could live in a palace uh, and wear fine clothes. But none of that, not one thing, would make her a princess. The only thing that does is the fact she's married to a prince. That's her identity. She's married to a prince, therefore she is a princess. But now she is. She lives out her identity. She lives out who she is. Brothers and sisters, we are Christians because of Christ. Because we're married to him, we're united to him. So this evening, let us live out that identity. Not because we want to make it, not because we want to force our way into the kingdom, but because of who we are. And as we do, we know that every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord is good. It will lead to life and not death. It will lead to freedom and not bondage. And as we do, we walk in the family line, reminded of our status as beloved children. The message is clear. So listen carefully and do what it says. Let's pray as we close. Father God, we thank you that your word is clear. We pray, Lord, you would help us to listen well in all the different ways we hear your word. And Father, we pray you, by your Spirit, may help us to follow you, to follow your words, to do what it says, and to live out our identity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.